Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. It's the blessing of the Lord. Do you remember Jacob and Esau? You remember those two guys? Remember them? So remember the two brothers? And so Jacob, he, he uh, really his brother for a cup, of, a cup of chow, his brother said, you can have my inheritance. You can take the inheritance of the firstborn. Just give me some of that stew you made. And he gave it away. So Jacob did it. All got a bit twisted and everything because he, he tricked his father into getting the blessing. But Esau gave him the blessing. He did. So when Jacob went and got it, Esau was really mad. But what was he mad about? Was he mad that when Jacob left, he took all the cattle, he took all the gold, he took all the silver from dad's home? No, he wasn't mad about that. He was mad because his brother left with the blessing. So, you know, it's not what you see that will cause you to prosper. It's the blessing of the Lord on your life that will bring forth what you can see. And so are you blessed? Because it's really the blessing that makes the difference. It really is. So I thank God that I'm blessed. And I have an expectation that his blessing works in my life. Do you remember Obed-Edom? You remember a guy named Obed-Edom? Obed-Edom, when they went to get the ark from the Philistines, they put it on a cart instead of carrying it on the priesthood, on the shoulders. And the presence of God should only be carried by the priesthood, not by carts, not by human vehicles. They're carried by the priesthood. They're carried by you. They're carried by anointed ministers of God, which you are. All right, so that's how you carry the anointing. So, but they, they just thought, we'll do it like the Philistines did. And because of that, there was just kind of a nasty little problem that took place. And so David said, let's not bring it to our place right now. So they sent it to a guy named Obed-Edom, who was qualified in the priestly line to have the ark there, to have the presence. And the ark was the presence of God. So he took the presence of God into his home. And then David later on said, hey, tell me, how bad is it at that guy's place? Like, let me know, like, how miserable is his life right now? Because that was really unfortunate what happened. People were dying because of that ark. So what's it like at his place? They said, well, you know what? He's blessed. You know what? The carrots are growing. The, the produce is growing. Everything's growing. His home's blessed. And why? What was the difference between one day and the next day? It was the presence of God. It was the blessing of God. And you know what? That you are a carrier of the anointing. There are tangible manifestations. There are tangible benefits in your life that you have to put a demand on. I don't know why I'm camping around this, but I really feel to do it. I really feel that, that neglect is a terrible thing. And don't neglect the blessing of God and what he's done in and through your life. All right? I'm telling you, because God's ready to do some big things. But here's what God's done. God has limited himself to be used by the church. And so if we don't line up with the vision of heaven, see, repentance today is aligning ourselves with God's purpose. And we need to repent and get lined up with who he is, because God is going to fill the earth with his glory, but he's going to do it through you and me, which means we just got to align ourselves with the blessing of God. Amen. Amen. So we're into RSVP. Can I get an RSVP? You got to RSVP. RSVP means that you got to RSVP. It's rude to not RSVP. If you get something in the mail that says, please RSVP, RSVP. And because if you don't RSVP, there's not going to be a seat for you. And that's pretty serious in the kingdom because you know what? God has sent out, he sent out a message and he said, everyone's welcome 
to this last day's party. Everyone is welcome to this last day's feast. Everyone is welcome, but you have to RSVP. You really do. You have to. You can't say, oh, we'll see how it goes. You're on the list. Everyone is on the list, but you have to RSVP. Yes, you do. I heard, I heard about a pastor who had a parrot, and uh, he had this parrot, and the, the parrot was kind of glum, though, and, and the parrot only had a few words, but all the parrot would ever say was, let us pray. And you go, how you doing today? How's it going? Let us pray. And that, that was it, just let us pray. And, and he's like, man, I wish this parrot would cheer up, you know, and he's, let us pray. And that was all that was going on all the time. So he found out one of his deacons had a parrot. And he said, you have a parrot? That says your parrot talks. He says, my parrot talks, talks, but really has few words. He says, mine only has a few words too. He says, really? He says, maybe we can put the parrots together and we can get them to speak to each other and they can gain more words. He said, well, what does your parrot say? My parrot says, how about a kiss? That's it? Yep, all the time. How you doing? How about a kiss? And... You know, boom, bang. I mean, that's all he says. He said, well, let's get them together, see what's happened. So they got the parrots together, put them in the cage, and the parrots looked at each other, and the one parrot said, let us pray. And the other parrot said, how about a kiss? And then the pastor's parrot said, my prayers are answered. <laughs> <sighs> there was a, a, a corporate gasp in the room. <sighs> I love parrot jokes, though, don't you? They're so good. They're so good. Go look at the one about the parrot and the Thanksgiving turkey. But anyways, that was a good one too. All right, so, you know, having fun is God's idea. It really is. God is a lot of fun. And God is a God who likes to have fun. I mean, there's more spoken in the Hebrew language. There's more words to express joy than any other language. And God expresses himself and his joy in the word. And he constantly, I mean, God literally commands us. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And it says in Thessalonians, it says, you know, rejoice always. I mean, it's an imperative. God wants us to rejoice. And God, it says, in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. And then in John 17, Jesus is praying his high priestly prayer. He's summarizing, Father, I did everything you asked me to do, and now I'm about to go and fulfill your purpose for my life, but I want you to finish the job I started. And one of the things he asked for in that prayer, he said, Father, fill them with the full measure of my joy. I mean, the last prayer, the last communication between father and son before he goes to the cross, those are important words. And in that discussion with the father, one of the things he felt was essential for the purpose of God to go forward, one of the things Jesus asked for you to have so that his goodness and his plan of redemption could fill the earth with father, give them the full measure of my joy. Not a bit, not hit them with a little laughter once in a while, make it happy as they go. No, the full measure of my joy. Ha ha, turn to your neighbor and say ha ha. All right, good, good. Turn back and say you need a mint. All right. <laughs> That's true, you do need a mint. Okay, all right. Matthew 22, to the kingdom of heaven, what can it be compared to? What is it like? It's a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. I mean, that's what this is all about. This whole thing's going to wrap up in one big wild party. Exodus 5, 1, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go. I want my people to come out of bondage. I want everyone in the world that's in any place of pain or restriction or limitation. I want them free. And I want them to come to me. And I want them to throw a party with me. It says, I want them to hold a feast with me in the wilderness. Feast is the word, chagag. Chagag. 
Kongyag to hold a festival, to reel, to begin to celebrate, to dance, to stagger. I want to have a wild party with my people. I want to enjoy them and my presence. Today we're going to talk about a party. It's kind of a strange party, but it happened in the city of Nain. Now this is actually Nain right here. That's Nain right now. That's present day 2017 Nain. Is it 2017? It is 2017. It's amazing. I kind of thought it was 18 for some reason. But that's, that's present. They say about 1,800 people live in the city of Nain right now. You can go there. You can check it out. And that's the city of Nain. Now, when in Jesus' time, I'm not sure how big it was exactly, but I know in the, the early 1900s, it had 187 people. The census, 187. So it's had some radical growth. It wasn't a very big town. The Romans, who were very you know, good at mapping and doing things because they were very good at taxing everybody, so they wanted to know where everybody was because they wanted to tax everybody and do those things, they didn't even put Nain on the map. So it wasn't even on the map. So you know, if you're an evangelist and you want to do meetings in a great big town, you'd probably skip Nain. You'd maybe do one in the region because it's just a little town. I don't even know, that's not a town. I don't even know if it qualifies as a town. It's a village, right? A village. So Nain was a little tiny place, but Jesus wanted to go to Nain. So we're in Luke chapter seven. So if you want to open your Bibles, you go to Luke chapter seven, and we're going to look at verse 11. Now, just before this, he's in Capernaum. And in Capernaum is where they had a, a uh, centurion uh, who came and he had a servant who wasn't well and he sent and said, if that Jesus guy is who he says he is, just tell him to speak the word over my servant and he can be healed. So here's Jesus. Jesus heals a servant of a, a Roman soldier. He heals this guy without even visiting him. So he does a distance healing. He doesn't even go to the guy's house. He says, they're healed. Your faith is amazing. They're healed. And sure enough, the servants came back and said, he's healed. I mean, he didn't even have to come and he's healed. So I don't know why, if Jesus could heal people without going there, why did he have to go to Nain? I mean, why bother going there? Because the next morning, it says Jesus got up and he went to Nain. And if you look at the maps from Capernaum to Nain, I checked it out today. I did it on Google. And from Capernaum to Nain, if I was going to drive there, it's a really twisty, turny road. But I could drive there in an hour and one minute today on, on decent roads. I, I saw that. Actually, there's a road in that picture. You can see it's a nice road. It's a good road. But in Jesus' day, it, it was probably, they say 25. It was probably more than that because today, with the way the roads go there, it looked like it was going to take me an hour, and I think it was like something like 47 kilometers. So anyway, Jesus, the next day, he gets up, and he goes to Nain, the village of Nain. I don't know how many people are there, but Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. So Jesus gets up the next day. He and all his friends, because like, wow, we're having an amazing time. I mean, revival's following Jesus wherever he goes. He gets up, and they're walking. Where is he going? I mean, this isn't even on the map. We're just walking into the wilderness, and Jesus walks all the way to this little place, Nain. That day, he traveled well over 25 miles by foot to get to Nain. Okay, all right, he went to Nain. So what, Pastor? Move on. All right, well, let's look at Nain. You ready? Let's look. It says, now it happened. It happened the day after that, the day after that he healed this guy with the distance healing, be healed in the distance, you know? I mean, why didn't he just say, be healed in Nain? Hey, be healed over here, be healed over there. Well, now it happened. The day after that happened, he went into the city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and a large crowd, say a large crowd. A large crowd. A large crowd. 
His disciples and a large crowd went with him. And when he came near the gates of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd, say large crowd. And a large crowd from the city was with her. So here you got this large crowd with Jesus going, woohoo, yeah, whoa, what a day. Wonder what's going to happen now. Yay, yeah, this is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Whoa, yeah, this is so awesome. And then they come up and say, Even poor people in the Jewish culture, you had to hire flutes and trumpet players, and you had to hire mourners to go in front of your procession. So you got a gate, and you got a funeral coming out, and you got Jesus coming in. So I've ridden often in the front car at funerals, and today the funeral directors, they say it's terrible today that nobody respects a funeral anymore. Said it used to be when the cars were moving and they saw the hearse, everybody pulled over, shut down, and let us through. He says, nobody lets us through anymore. They just ignore it and they don't even pay attention. There's no honor, there's no respect. Well, you know, Jesus showed no respect for the funeral. And in a Jewish culture, if a wedding and a funeral run into each other, the funeral has to back off. Because they're way more serious about weddings than they are about funerals. And what do we know about Jesus? Jesus was the bridegroom. And Jesus said, you got to celebrate when the bridegroom's with you. And when Jesus ran into this funeral, he said, not today. Jesus crashed a funeral. In fact, when you look at the Bible, every time there was a funeral or a dead person, Jesus crashed those things. But for his best friends, remember that in the book of John, when his friend, and it wasn't the friend who loves you, it says Lazarus, who you love. So if you're really loved by people, Jesus doesn't come right away when you're sick. He doesn't even come right away when you're dead. He waits till you're dead four days, and everybody's really sad, and then he shows up. And people get mad at me for not visiting them in the hospital. Imagine if Jesus was your pastor. You know what I mean? My goodness. Oh, Jesus won't show up yet. You're not dead long enough, you know. But... But I mean, Jesus showed up there four days and he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And Martha's like, I know you are. It's so wonderful. Roll away the stone. He stinketh. What are you doing? But even then, Jesus shows up and he was full of grief because of the morning and he spoke to Lazarus, come forth. He had to say, Lazarus, come forth. Because if he just said, come forth, he would have emptied the whole graveyard. And I love it because Lazarus would have been bound up, head and toe, legs, the whole thing. So if he came out, he would have floated out, you know, like... I don't know how he did it, but so awesome. So you know, suddenly you know, the stone rolls away, and how come floats this guy? And he said, let him go. If you can float him out, why don't you let him go? No, I want you to participate. You know, I want you to see how amazing it is. He's going to have the skin like a newborn baby. It's going to be amazing. He doesn't stink at all. It's going to be great. He messed up. Every time death creeped into a situation, when Jesus showed up, he turned it into life. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor. That was good. All right. So that day, right there, boom, they had a collision. And when the Lord saw her, in verse 13, it says, when the Lord saw her, it says he had compassion on her. Now, the Greek word for compassion, there it is right there. That's that word right there. Interesting word, isn't it? It's a great word. That's the word compassion in the Greek. Let me pronounce it for you. Ready? Splach nidzomai. Splach nidzomai. He had splach, needs so my. 
literally is walking around. Ah, da, 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 da. Oh, a funeral. This is terrible. Splah! Needs, oh my. It's kind of like somebody kicked me right in the gut. Splah! Needs, oh my. And that's literally what that word means. The word means to, to be moved in your guts. That's what it means. So when Jesus saw that, he's walking in. Oh, what a great day. This is really good. This, oh, look at this. A widow, and she's lost her only son. Splock needs oh my. Go ahead. Say it with me. Splock. No, you have to get like a guttural, like a splock. Excuse me for that. <coughs> needs oh my. He had compassion. That's the same word that was used in, in the book of Luke when it says the father saw his son, the wayward son, the prodigal. It says when he saw him afar off, he had splock needs oh my. He's just moved with compassion. He said, oh, my son, he's come back. And he was kicked in the gut. He said, this is so awesome. And he ran with everything. And he was so moved. I mean, there's a visceral, emotional feeling. Like Jesus would have, oh, a funeral. Let me deal with that. I mean, he felt what she was going through. He felt the pain in this widow, the pain. Because in that day, when a, a Jewish person died, he had to be buried that day. So this was not something they'd been sitting on for a while or they'd processed for a bit. On the same day that this child died, they're about to bury this child, but Jesus showed up just in time. Splock needs oh my. Okay, settle down, please. Okay. Splock needs oh my, moved. His heart overflowed with compassion. And he said to her, do not weep. Then he came and he touched the open coffin and those who carried him stood still. Now, in their culture, if you touch a coffin or you touch anything with death, then you become unclean. Like when Jesus touched the leper, he would become unclean. You see, a lot of people who listen to the Old Covenant, if you hang out with sinners, you're going to get sin on you. That's Old Covenant. Old Covenant, you touch death, you got death. You got to go through purification rites and all those things. But in the New Covenant, life touches death, and death is obliterated. In the new covenant, lay your hands on the sick, and they shall recover. In the new covenant, it's not avoid problems. In the new covenant, it's run right into them with splock, needs, oh my, and change the day. Three people in the back row, excited. One over here, two over there. So good. You know, Pastor John was here last week, and he's preaching. He kept on saying hallelujah. After that, he said, I've never preached in such a responsive church. They kept on talking with me and going with me. It was so much fun. I, I was just hallelujah. I was just so, he's, so thank you for blessing Pastor John. Good for you. But continue to bless me. I got a secret to tell you. I got a secret to tell you right now. It's a secret between me and, and all you people. It's it's my birthday today. I just thought I'd let you know. My brother far away sent me a text. My other brother far away sent me a text. My family has not acknowledged its existence as of yet. Although my brothers far away have. So, so awesome to be a part of my family. I've apparently raised them really well. And they know how needy I am. All these years they've known how needy I am. And yet, uh, and yet, I stand here with courage and strength. And I'm giving it my very best, even though inside my heart is splock needs, oh my. Yeah. It's all right, it's all right, it's okay, it's okay. 
A happy birthday to me, a happy birthday to me, every day of the year. May you feel Jesus near, a happy birthday to me, a happy birthday to me, the best year I've ever had. And we mean it'll be the best year I've ever, be the best year I've ever But I am not buying lunch, so, you know, whoever's buying lunch, pay attention and pay the bill. Okay, good. All right, Splock needs Omai. So he goes and he touches death and he, I mean, speaks and he says to the child, he says, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up, began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon them all and they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people. I love it. Verse 8, there's 16 in the message. Here's what it says. I love the way message says. Message says, God is back. And he's looking to the needs of his people. Whoa, God is back. And he's looking to the needs of his people. God is back. And he's looking to, God is back. He's looking to the needs of his people, yeah. God is back. And he's looking to the needs of his people. (laughs) Yeah, God is back. And he's looking to the needs of his people. Better record that. That's good. I think that'll be a chart stopper right there. And then we're going to add to it, Splock needs oh my. Splock needs oh my. Wow. Ooh, wow. I feel glory all over that. You? I feel a lot of spit, but it was, maybe it's a glory. Man, I love this. Jesus is back. And it says, and the report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. Man, Jesus crashed the funeral. I just did a little commercial. Can I put a commercial in right now? You can buy that on iTunes this afternoon. Can, no, just kidding. A little commercial. I was preaching in Trivet Memorial Church, uh, Anglican Church, on Friday night up in Exeter. But on the 8th, I know you guys are going to see the lights get turned on, the family group, but everybody else, please come to Bishop Cronin. Bishop Cronin, where they're a total liberal church. They don't, you know, don't preach signs, wonders, Jesus, anything. Bishop Cronin, December the 8th, I am going to preach 7 o'clock that night on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so i invite you to come and join me it's a four preacher little pack it's a four preach pack i got to light a candle i got to go through the advent ceremony and i got to light the love candle so awesome i was really sad though i didn't get to swing incense or something but i was really glad that i didn't have to wear a robe because uh mine get made at lester awnings in peterborough so You're not getting a Christmas card, Jeff. <laughs> just, just saying. <laughs> Neither is anybody. It'll be an email. I'm sending your card money to Haiti. Okay. Just, just. All right. So Jesus is back, and he's looking at the needs of his people. How many are still following me? Thank you. Okay. We're, here we go. All right. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Inasmuch as then the children have partaken in flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same through death that he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. I love that about, see, Christmas is all about God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. You see, flesh and blood had a problem. Man, God's creation, there was a fall. Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall, had a great fall. We couldn't put ourselves back together again, so God himself, he came and he put on flesh. God came, and not just for a little season, but forever, God limited himself to be in a human body. Isn't it amazing? Forever, he did that to identify with you and me so that he would destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Isn't that good? I want you to know something, folks. Unless Jesus comes back in your time, every one of you are going to die. That's good news right there. 
But thanks be to God that he, Jesus, came and he destroyed him who has the power over death. So here's the really good news. When you accept Jesus, you don't die, but you live forever. Isn't that great? Death has no power. It has no hold on you anymore. See, when you come to Jesus, that's canceled because he obliterated the one who has the power over death, and you are free. And to those who receive him, he gives the right to become children of God, and you have eternal life. Can I get an amen? All right. Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the exact likeness of the invisible God. Isn't that good? He's the image of the invisible God. He's the exact likeness. Why do you say that? Because what we see what Jesus is doing, what we see the manifestation of Jesus here, if you see what he's doing, you see the Father, and you see God's attitude towards you. Hebrews 1.3, the Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. The very nature and character of God is expressed in Jesus. If you want to know what Jesus is really like, or God is really like, or the Father is really really like you just look at what jesus was doing jesus ran into death and he blew it up he encountered this hardship and he restored everything back to its rightful place that's what god does that's what the father does that's how he's disposed towards you hebrews 13 8 jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever so if he was walking into creeping death if he was confronting areas where where the enemy was stealing from you if he did it then he'll do it now And that's what he wants to do. And Jesus was showing us the character and nature of God and what we should expect when death comes creeping our way, when there's an area where the devil tries to steal from you, Jesus is on the scene ready to restore to you everything that the devil is trying to steal. He crashes every nasty event that the devil tries to hold. And every time that the devil tries to mess with you, Jesus will crash that and he'll bring a manifestation of his purpose, his goodness, and his glory in your life. All right, so Jesus crashes this funeral. God is like Jesus. He is God. Jesus reveals God. So let's make quickly some observations. You ready? Jesus is always on the move. Jesus is always active. I mean, I love this, that it was a a 25 mile at least. I mean, a walk to an obscure little place. You could think, does he care about little old me? I mean, does he even know where I am? Does he even know what's going on in my life? Yes, he does. And if it means I got to walk over 25 miles to get to you with my sandals over this dusty, nasty road, I will do it because today you're going to encounter the goodness of God. And he does that. He is moving. He's moving in your situation right now. He was at work in your life and at work behind the scenes in your life. Well before you woke up, he was already active, ready to bring about the very best in your life. And he's always at work for good in your situation. So he went 25 miles to this obscure little town and he had a full-on conflict and a full-on encounter with this funeral. So number two, he's aware. He saw her. I love that. You know, he saw her and he sees you. And no matter what you're going through, where you are, he not only is moving, but he's moving towards you and he cares about what's involved in your life. I love Matthew 10. It says he watches the sparrows. He knows the hairs on your head. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. He knows who cares about the hairs on your head. I'm having a hard time seeing the hairs in my nose now. But, But he cares... I mean, I, that, I mean, why would God say that? Why would he put that in scripture? Because he wants you to literally get a, a revelation of that's the detail with which he looks at your life. That's the detail of observation he has with you. He literally knows and they are numbered. Every one of the hairs in your head are numbered. That's how intimately involved he is with your life. When I was in Dubai, I went out into the desert. They took us so far out that when we got out of the Jeep, all you could see was desert. We couldn't see anything. It was sand everywhere. And when I picked up the sand, 
sand. It was sooty, gritty sand that just got all over you. And when I picked it up, I was just immediately, the Holy Spirit said, as many as the sands are, as many are the grains of sands are, so are my thoughts for you, says the Lord. And I went, are you kidding me? Do you look at all the sand? You have this many thoughts about me? It says, my mind, my mind is full of you, Carl. Well, if his mind is full of you, then he can't be thinking about me. No. You see, he is so amazing that his mind is full of all of us. And he is more involved in every detail of your life than even you are. You don't know the number of the hairs in your head. But he does. And he knows every single thing about your life. And God is for you. And he wants to break you through. He cares about you. And he wants to break you through. He was there. He was moving. He saw. And he was aware of what's going on. So then third thing was he cares. It's not just enough that he's aware of it. He cares about it. And I love that word. He enters into our suffering. He left heaven. He came to earth to completely identify with our weakness. Not just to be like us, but to be like us so we could change forever our situation and bring a manifestation of his life in our life forever bringing freedom. Now, the fourth thing, though, is he challenges you. I mean, this is pretty incredible, but he walks up to a widow who's lost her son, a small village who's lost a resource, a place that right that day, I don't know how he died, but there's grief all over this town. There's grief all over this village. And he walks in and he walks right up to the widow, walks right up to the mother, and he says, don't cry. Stop weeping. I would punch him right in the nose. Don't be a stranger walking up to my miserable day and tell me how I should face it. If you don't mind, there's a little girl inside who's terrified that I don't have a future. I got nobody to care for me. I am left right now as a beggar to my neighbors to care for. I mean, don't tell me don't weep. But that's what he did. He walked up before he, I mean, it'd be one thing to say, hey, here's your son back, stop crying. He didn't say that, he said, stop crying. You know, sometimes that's important because sometimes we get so lost in how miserable our situation is that we can't even get our eyes on Jesus. And there's times you gotta listen to him and you gotta stop. You gotta still yourself. It might be horrible and all those things, but you know, your emotions should serve you. Don't let them take you for a ride. Let, but, but you gotta get a handle on that and make them serve you. But he does that. He challenges people. I mean, here's a guy who's hiding his withered arm. Why do you hide a withered arm? Because it's embarrassing. And he's hiding his withered arm and Jesus walks in and says, hey, you with the withered arm, stretch out your arm. He's always challenging. Stretch out your arm. He says to the man who's paralyzed on a mat, pick up your mat. Hello, I'm paralyzed. He says to the, 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 the people who have a dead brother, move the stone. He stinketh, move the stone. You know, there's times where you got to get involved now. You know what? God is ready to do a miracle for you today. But, you know, he's going to challenge you. And if you want to sit there and say, uh, you know, just doing the best I can with this, sometimes he's going to get in your face and say, come on, it's time to engage in your miracle. It's time to work your miracle. It's time to do this. So he always has a challenge there. And don't get offended if God challenges you to do something. I've seen people that are riddled with cancers stand up and dance around a room. And just, you know, you can say, oh, that poor person, you know, and, you know, but I've seen them get up and just dance like a reckless, crazy person during a worship service. And I'm going, wow, that's a sacrifice of praise. 
You know, when you see situations, you know, he's going to challenge you. He's going to challenge you to step out. He's going to challenge you to do things. And he does that. But he's going to do that. But he's going to always come through. The one who challenges you is always going to come through. If he says, stretch out your hand, you're going to stretch out your hand. If he says, pick up your mat, you can pick up your mat. Because there's power in that word that he spoke over you. And you're going to get your breakthrough. Amen. All right, pastor, come on. I'm almost there. Next thing, listen to this. Number five, he restores. Jesus restores. Isn't that good? How many of you experienced restoration? Oh, really? You've experienced restoration? Only a few people. I, can t- I, I messed up my life so bad. I, I tell you, I, I dug so... I, I mean, I, when I looked up, it said bottom. I mean, it was bottom of bottom. It was so low. I, I couldn't believe how messed up I did with my life. But I can't believe what God did and how he restored my life. The things he did for me and how he's changed my life and turned my life around. I am forever grateful that he is a God who restores and sets free. It's so good. I mean, last night, last night we had people here giving testimonies. We had, we had the people now that are, are directors, are on staff with the, the girl who's directing the ladies' home, the guy directing the guys' home. I mean, both of them, just a few Christmases ago, were on the street, left nowhere. Their families left the gal. Her husband had divorced or sent them off. And then they said, you know, home for Christmas was the theme. Put a big picture on the thing. You know what's going to happen to you this year? See these people? He restored my marriage, restored me to my family. And there's this big picture. That's where I'm going to be for Christmas because of Jesus. Jesus! Wow! I mean, there's real people. We're real broken up mess. Everybody quit on them. My family quit on me. They said, get out of here. You're a danger to us and yourself. And then Jesus steps in. Splahizomai! And turns her whole world right side up. What are you doing this Christmas? I'm with my family. My marriage restored with my children in my right mind serving the purposes of God. Come on, that's some good stuff right there. But you know what? What do you say to something like that next? Because if he did it for them, he'll do it for you. And no matter how glum your circumstance look, God is ready to walk in and collide with wherever death is creeping into your experience and trying to take God's purpose from you. He will collide with that violently and he will bring into manifestation God's purposes for your life. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. That was good. Amen. Jesus restores. I mean, he came, he he takes the young man and he presents him to his mother. You got to think that mother was like, oh, happy day. Oh, happy day when my Jesus was. Oh, sorry about that. How many think we should have more gospel in the church? Some more basic stuff. Amen. All right. Got to send letters to me. I'll put them, send them to the worship team. All right. I'm into the gospel. George is the whitest black guy I've ever known. You know, just, just, just saying. I just said it out loud. I don't know. But I'm trying to push him to do some gospel for him. He says, no way. I mean, I said, you're such a white man. It's terrible. So anyways, I don't know. But not that there's anything wrong with white people. I like white people. So anyways, it's all good. All right, number six. Man, am I, I'm getting myself in so much trouble here today. Amen? We're going to have to cancel the offer of this sermon because it's really rough. Number six. Say number six. Say faster. Come on. I love this because it says, Jesus revealed the goodness of God. Everyone was amazed and they threw a big party. You know, last night was so good that, that everybody wanted to stay behind and they wanted to meet with those people. They were so excited. Jesus was glorified and we threw a big party. 
Jesus is a wild party. I mean, it is so much fun seeing people get their lives put back together again. But it says everybody was amazed. They threw a big party. God is back looking to the needs of his people. And then it says the whole nation, it says all the surrounding areas in Judea, they all heard about it and they gave glory to Jesus. We need a whole lot more of that going on, don't we? I like evangelism through one by one, slowly telling people that Jesus loves you. I like that. I like the evangelism, though, where, you know, my dead son, somebody walked in and crashed the funeral and raised him from the dead. Oh, big deal. <laughs> we need to see a lot more of that, don't we? I'm contending for that. I'm praying for that, too. Right alongside the millions, 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 I'm praying for signs, wonders, ridiculous demonstrations of God's power. You be healed today, right now, in the name of Jesus. Whatever it is, I'm telling you, Jesus, the same Jesus that walked down the street into Nain and walked into that funeral, that same Jesus is right here, right now, and he, bam, he walks into your situation right now. You are healed in Jesus' name. Your health is restored right now, and I give you back everything that the devil's trying to steal from you now in the name of Jesus Christ. Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Thank you. You know, if my family would have said happy birthday to me this morning, this would have gone so much better. I just, you know, just, I just don't know what it was, you know, but John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said to her, I am. Say, I am. I am. He didn't say I was. He didn't say I will be. He said, I am. I am that I am. He is the ever-present miracle-working God. He is the resurrection and the life right now. That resurrection power is available to you right now. Wherever death or the enemy or any creeping thing is trying to attack you, Jesus is saying to you right now, I am the resurrection and the life. And you just believe and you embrace that right now because Jesus had a full-on collision with death and he won. You know, I, I'm, I do funerals. I've, I've been at the bedside of people who've passed on the glory, and I've been there with believers. And you know what? It's a beautiful and a peaceful thing because, you know, they step into glory. They step in, and there's no fear in those situations at all. In fact, the family's there singing songs, worshiping God, glorifying God, and they slip into glory. And it's never, it's never a, an unpeaceful experience. It's a sad time. It's sad because of the separation and the loss. But at the same time, you experience that that person, they don't have any fear. They have an anticipation that they're about to go from absent from the body present with the Lord to see the face of God folks I do not fear death in any way it has no grip on me no hold on me because I know him who broke the power of death broke the power of the devil and he is life to me and I have eternal life not in the future but I have eternal life right now but you have to RSVP you have to RSVP because that life is offered to every single person. But you have to say, I want to be at the party. And you got to say, I'm in. Don't wait. Don't say, I'll say it some other day. Right now, you got to say, I RSVP, me, Carl Thomas, I RSVP. I'm going to be at the party. And you got to do it. A couple more verses. We're going to pray. This boy ended up dying again. He did, but you know what? We never fear death because Jesus has proven that he has authority over death. Revelation 1.18, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and the grave. Settle down. I know that's good news. People say there's, you know, three constants, death, taxes, and inflation. I know that because I used to be a financial plaster, a financial plaster, a financial planner, 
That's a pastor and a planner writing one. It's a new word. Put it in the dictionary. I was a financial plaster. A pastor and a planner. A plaster. I just, I just made that up right now. A financial plaster. Amen. But you know what? Death, folks, death is going to come to everyone. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 9, 27. And just as a person is destined to die once, that is, if Jesus doesn't come, folks, that is every single person. It is appointed to every single person. They are destined to die once. And after that comes judgment. What judgment? What did you do with Jesus? What did you do with your invitation? Oh, where did we put that? Today, it's pretty serious stuff. Because today in the hearing of my voice, because you're hearing the good news and you're hearing the invitation, right now, there's a choice to make. And you can't say, I didn't know I was invited from now on. Today, in the hearing of my voice, I'm telling you that you're all invited. You're all invited to the party. You're all invited to the life that Jesus offers. But you have to RSVP. You have to say, what are you going to say about Jesus? Because here's the judgment. What did you say about Jesus? I say, he is my Savior. He is my Lord and my Christ. I receive him. To those who receive him, he gives the power to become the children of God. What do you say about Jesus today? And that's what it is. But it says, and so also Christ was offered once for all time, one sacrifice to take away sins of many people. He will come again. He will come again. He will come again. That's my end times teaching right there. He is going to come again. And whether you're alive or dead, he's going to come again. And even if you have died, you'll be raised to answer that question, what did you do with your invitation? But you here today are without excuse because you got the invitation. I don't want to play the heavy on you. I just want to be honest with you that you have to RSVP. It says of many people, he will come again, not to deal with our sins because he's done that, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Amen. You must RSVP. You must RSVP. Will you accept your invitation to the party? Because Jesus is returning to those who have said yes. Frankie, did you want to give your life to Jesus? Is that why you're here, baby girl? <laughs> exactly. All right, come on, stand up with me. Pastor Cheryl thought it was time to tap the clock and say, she gave Frankie the job. Just bow your heads and pray. You know, it says this preaching, it's just foolishness. And I might have got a bit foolish today. But I'm deadly serious about the gospel. I'm deadly serious about the benefits of the gospel, the joy of the gospel. There is a wonderful party that God has planned and you're all invited, but you do have to RSVP because he's coming again to bring us all to that beautiful banquet feast, that feast where the, the bridegroom and the bride forever are joined in union forever. And there is that time and he is going to come again. But I want you to, I want you to stamp your ticket today. I want you to, to say yes. Yes, because you are invited. Everyone is. But I'm talking to you today, and we're all praying. You're just heads bowed and eyes closed. You're just praying. 
So nobody's looking around and just talking to you. You know, if you're here today and you don't know, you, I, did I? Have I RSVP'd? If, you, if you're not sure, or if you think I did one day, but I, I want to make sure today, I, I don't know. You know, if you don't know, I don't want you to leave here today not knowing for absolute sure that you have RSVP'd. And you can mark in your calendar on Pastor Carl's birthday, November 26th. I RSVP'd and I know it and I know and I know and I know that he is my Savior and my God and that I'm in. But if you don't know or you're concerned about it in any way, I want to pray with you today before we go. So listen, I'm just going to ask you. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to say one, two, three. And if you're not sure, I want you to put up your hand. If, if you've never done it before, I want you to put up your hand because we're going to pray together. Are you ready? Listen, here it is. One, two, three. Just raise your hand right now. Raise it high. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Just raise it high enough so we can see it. All right? Okay, you can put your hands down now. Thank you, Jesus. Just want you to pray with me. We're all going to pray. So you pray. Lift up your voice and you pray. But we're all going to pray together. So just lift up your voice. You ready? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. And I believe with all my heart that you're my Lord and you're my Savior. I thank you that you've forgiven my sins and you've restored me to a relationship with my Heavenly Father. So I declare right now that I am forgiven, I am healed, and I am free. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. So now fill me with your Holy Spirit who will constantly testify that I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, congratulations. That's awesome. It's good stuff, huh? I'm just going to ask our, our ministry teams to come forward now, our elders and, and those who are going to pray at the altar. Have you been to the altar lately? Have you been a place where you got some prayer, you need some ministry? These folks are coming and they're ready to pray for you and minister to you, so just uh, come on up right now. I'm going to pray for you, send you on your way, but the altar's open, so if you need prayer, please come and folks are going to pray for you, all right? Here we go. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this great day. I thank you for your goodness, your kindness to us as a fellowship. I just thank you for the beautiful season that we're entering into. And we proclaim over this season, it's going to be a season of miracles and a season of breakthrough. Father, we thank you for Kevin and Paul who have been with us today. We thank you for the week that we've had with them. We pray you bless them. We send them back to Nova Scotia just saturated and blessed with your goodness and with your glory. Love them, love them, love them. And just bless them all over. So Father, we bless each one right now. And I send them out with a revelation of the Father's love, with a great big dose of the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and with the revelation knowledge the Spirit of God you partner with us every day so I loose them into the mission fields of London and this area to demonstrate the good news of a living God in Jesus precious name Amen